Brilliant. I shouldn't need to read these. The Ten Commandments, you've got them all committed to memory, right? <laughs> Can anyone recite them? Okay, better listen up then, family. Here we go. God's words. Uh, from It's uh, page 77, if you've got a church Bible, that'll make it a bit faster. Exodus 20, verses 1 to 21. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will keep hold, will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor your foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbour. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Father, we thank you that these words are no longer a burden over our head, but you have and are making them the desire of our hearts. As Paul speaks to us this morning, teach us to walk in obedience, renew in us a deeper reverence for you, that we may live lives that honour and please you. Open up our hearts, open up our minds and give us ears to listen that we would hear what you have to say to us. Amen. Father God, send down your Holy Spirit to open your word, to open our hearts. Give us grace that through them we may become more like Jesus. Amen. 
It is such a gift to be in St. Saviour's. Thank you, Bex. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, family St. Saviour's, for the lovely welcome that I always have here. Actually, I was just reflecting <coughs> during the prayers that if you receive a tenth of the blessing through anything that I will share with you that I receive from being here, then I shall praise God. It's a gift always for me to be here. There's something which is much deeper than welcome, I think, in this place, and it's about just feeling at home. Uh, I <coughs> have oversight of over 100 churches, and I just feel so at home here, so thank you so much for that. Great joy this morning to hear uh, <coughs> Dan and Joy's being, bands being read. That was a surprise that I didn't know anything about, so that's absolutely wonderful, and I wish you every blessing. And it was also fantastic to see uh, Seth, Lucy and Dan's um, new baby here as well this morning. So lots of signs of new life and joy. There was just something a little bit nervous about receiving um, a phone call from Lucy last year saying, will you come and preach? Because the last time I had an invitation to preach here, it was followed by an email that said, actually, Paul, slight change of plan. Um, we do want you to come to St. Saviour's, but we don't want you to preach. And I thought, no, I perfectly understand that. <laughs> and uh, my children would perfectly understand that. Um, instead, we want you to run. <clears throat> In fact, we'd like you to run 10K. Um, and so the last time I was here, I was donning uh, a blue T-shirt with St. Saviour's on it, which I still don from time to time, uh, very, very unusually, uh, very, very uh, irregularly when I go out to run. Um, but I'm glad that um, you didn't spring any surprises like that on me this morning. Whenever I think of the Ten Commandments, I, um, my memory goes back to the church where I was vicar for the first time it was a stunning <coughs> harbour village in Pembrokeshire. They were so excited when I arrived with my young wife. Their outgoing vicar had been in post for 34 years. He was an amazing man, uh, but he was nearly 70. He was tired, and now they were getting a 27-year-old puppy full of energy and ideas. My service of welcome was huge. How many people can you fit into a phone box? There were hundreds present. They spilled out uh, into the, the road and the churchyard. And then there was my first Sunday. Where did they all go? There were about 12 people at the main service. All over 60, Book of Common Prayer. And the roof was leaking. Talk about down to earth with a bump. Just before the service, a church warden sidled up to me and said, Paul, I'm not sure whether anybody's told you but it's our custom in this church before every act of worship to say the Ten Commandments. I don't believe it. What on earth have I done? Certainly not enough homework about this church. My immediate thought was, well, this is going to change radically. 
They're going to have to learn about the New Testament, about Jesus, and about grace. I made so many mistakes during the six years in that church, I can't tell you. But with hindsight, I got one thing right at the beginning. God helped me to see that if I kept the Ten Commandments in place, I could probably change everything else. And I did. And we began to see the church grow. But strangely, as we kept those Ten Commandments in place, in a really unexpected way, they blessed me. For me, one of the remarkable things about Scripture is the way in which God grows you through his word. Some of the stories which I read now, I heard in Sunday school when I was five, and yet every time I read passages, I see something different. They change me in a different way. For the years I was vicar of Solver, my relationship with the Ten Commandments changed, and I went on a bit of a journey with them. So I began with a sense that they were historic formularies. They were part of God's story in the past, but now we have Jesus, and the law has been superseded with grace. That was my sort of starting point. And I then slipped into a place where many of the congregation were at, almost a a sense of self-righteousness, that recitation was a celebration of our keeping of them, reminding ourselves that the problem with the world was not so much us, but others who either didn't keep them or who hadn't heard of them. And then I moved into another place again, influenced by the great Reformation theologian Martin Luther, who said this, the principal point of the law is not to make men better, but to make them worse. That is to say that the law showeth them their sin, and by the knowledge thereof, they may be humbled, battered, bruised and broken, and so driven to seek thy eternal seed. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. We say them just before we confess our sins. So about making us feel not better about ourselves, but actually worse, uh, making us really in touch with a sin in each one of us. But then I moved into a fourth place, which is not about relegating them to a pre-Jesus place or about making ourselves feel better or worse about ourselves, but about helping us to live counterculturally, courageously, Christ-like lives in love for God and other people. And if we read them with the eyes of grace, we see that actually they're so grace-filled. The months seem to fly by quicker and quicker. I can't believe I'm hearing 
Beck's talk about Easter, it feels like we've just packed up the Christmas decorations. But we're in Lent, and I don't know whether you've given up anything for Lent. I'm always a bit bar humbug about giving up things during Lent. Um, George Herbert, another good Welshman. I'm not talking too much about my Welshness today after yesterday's rugby. George Herbert said, welcome, dear feast of Lent. I much prefer to take on extra things during Lent, and it's wonderful that you have uh, a theme. That theme has in its background the theme that Bishop Andrew has chosen for the diocese this year, which is about living simply. I love that theme, perhaps because it speaks so powerfully into a world that is getting increasingly complex, and sometimes a church that is getting increasingly complex too. The Ten Commandments somehow help us to break into a complex world with a very powerful simplicity. So you'll find them on page 77 of our Pew Bibles. Um, They're in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 20. They were written about 1,500 years ago as a set of instructions given to the Israelites through Moses. God had led the Israelites' ancestors and then dramatically rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He promised to love, guide, and protect them forever. And as a response to his love, God expected his people to keep the Ten Commandments. Now, there's a great danger here because there's a sermon on every one of these Ten Commandments. And uh, you're really fortunate because uh, my youngest daughter's being confirmed this afternoon, and I've got to be away from here in about half an hour, so don't panic. Um, You're not going to hear ten sermons. But I would like to just look at their shape a little bit as a sort of refresher for all of us. and to encourage you during the sort of week ahead to sort of inhabit them a little bit and to help them to reflect on the way that you're living your own lives during Lent. I've asked Deborah and the team just to hand out some little sheets um, and you can, you can make some, some notes uh, on, on this either now or in the week to come. Uh, just a framework to, to help us think for just the next... Um, five, ten minutes on these commandments. So, just as a refresher, or if you haven't actually looked at these in detail before, um, the first three are actually God-faced. The first three are about our love of God. The first commandment, you shall not have no other gods before me. This is about priority in our lives. God as the first in our lives. J. John defines first as F, finance, I, interests, R, relationships, S, schedule, T, troubles. Finance, interests, relationships, schedule and troubles. 
Which of those areas, do you think, do you need to make changes around at this time in your life? And then secondly, you shall not make for yourself an image. This is about the true God. What does contemporary culture encourage us to worship? As I was coming here this morning, I passed the friary. And for the first time, I reflected upon the original purpose of that piece of land, which has now become uh, one of Guildford's, the heart of Guildford's shopping centre. It was a place where a religious community gathered to say their prayers. Strange that the friary has become something completely different. Just look around. What are the important things in your life? What could potentially become more important in your life than God if you're not careful? And then the third commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. This is about integrity. God's name is often used, isn't it, as a swear word outside the church. I remember when we had building work done, extensive building work done on, on, on my last church, and I used to appear on the site from time to time. And, you know, I used to hear them say, the vicar's coming. Watch your language. As if I hadn't heard swear words before. And I made it really clear to them that actually they could swear. It was their language. But actually, there were rules uh, in a church about words that we didn't use. How might you be more intentional in bringing, God's, in bringing honor to God's name in your life? So first three commandments about God. And then the fourth commandment is what many scholars have called the hinge commandment or the bridge commandment. It begins with a vertical axis, the Godward bit. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. But then it moves on to a horizontal axis. In that Sabbath uh, is to be extended to your son, your daughter, your male, female slave, your livestock or residence in your towns. I preached a whole sermon about this in Busbridge just a few weeks ago. And I had to tell them, do you know what? I feel a real hypocrite standing here preaching on this because actually I'm not always very good at it. Busbridge promised to make me accountable for the way that I observe the Sabbath. I do try and keep it holy. I go to church most Sundays. Um, but it's... It's about more than that. I now get emails on my day off from the congregation in Busbridge, um, and they just ensure that I don't respond to them. <laughs> the word Shabbat actually means stop. The reasons for it are twofold. Firstly, because God rested on the seventh day. If he rested, then we need to rest too. And then secondly, how God saved Israel from the Egyptians. So it's about both rest and freedom. What one thing might you need to do to be more effective in keeping Sabbath for worship and rest? 
So first three about God. The fourth, a bridge commandment about God and each other. And then the fifth to tenth commandments are about our neighbors. They're so simple and yet so profound. The fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. About parents, family. All of us have or have had parents. Some of us are parents, others are godparents. Some of you, like me, might be in the sandwich generation with very elderly parents and mega busy teenagers. Ruth is a wonderful model here. How might we better honor our parents or our parenting? One of the huge blessings for me today is that we have three of our daughter's four godparents staying with us, and I just give thanks for the way in which they have been amazing godparents. They have been so faithful in nurturing our daughter um, in Christian faith. Sixthly, you shall not commit murder. I hope that there's not murder that happens here on a regular basis in St. Saviour's, but it's about anger, of course. J. John says there are five things that we need to be aware of with our anger. Anger is, is an emotion, it's a God-given emotion, and, and righteous anger often has a place. We see that so often in uh, the Bible and in Jesus' own life. J. John says we have to do five things. We have to admit our anger. We have to deal with it immediately. We have to understand it. Where's it coming from? We have to stop and think before we speak. And we have to ask for God's Holy Spirit. Are there any of those aspects that perhaps you could improve on a little? Seventh, you shall not commit adultery about relationships and sex, and particularly about the context for that and strong marital relationships. What qualities does God want to see at the heart of a marriage? What one thing could you do this Lent to strengthen your marriage? Or if you're not married, friendships. Eighth, you shall not steal. This is about generosity. And it may not be about physical things. We tend to associate it, don't we, with, with physical things. But I wonder whether it might also include dignity, respect, opportunity, right, fairness. Think of a time when you might have stolen one of those of late from somebody else. How might you become more of a net giver than a receiver? Ninth, you shall not give false testimony. This is about truth. That includes truth about God, ourselves and others. And our duty to uphold truth in each of those areas. Sometimes that might be the absence of standing up for the truth. In what area of your life do you think you might need to be more honest at the moment, more honest with yourself and more honest with God?
And then finally, I'm sure this doesn't happen in Surrey at all, but you shall not covet your neighbor's house. Or indeed, their wife, or manservant, or maidservant, ox, donkey, or anything that belongs to them. My sense is that at the root of this is thankfulness, an attitude of gratitude, being thankful for who we are and what we have, not seeking stuff that we might perceive to be better than what we've got. How might you be more thankful this Lent? I hope that's just a start and uh, an opportunity for, for you to connect or reconnect with these Ten Commandments, which are about life and abundant life. Opportunity maybe in the week for you to reflect upon those slightly more. Simple things that you can do in a complex world to live more courageously, more counterculturally, more in order that you might inhabit to a greater extent the abundant life which Jesus speaks about and which we know is at the heart of transforming church, transforming lives for his glory and the extension of his kingdom in Guildford and beyond. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the, all the ways that you have given us to live lives that reflect more the one that your son Jesus lived for us. We pray this week that you would help us to reflect on these commandments that you gave to Moses. And in so doing, you would lead us nearer to you and nearer to the life that your son modelled. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.